people keep saying to me now, what do you mean wait until Mario gets his guys in there? What does that even mean? Stop making excuses. All right, let's talk about what Miami's roster could look like next year with a big youth movement in 2023. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host of a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much, even in these toughest of times. It's been rough, guys. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. It's been rough this year, guys. Um, there's been blame to go around on talent and coaching and on talent not adapting to coaching and coaching not adapting to talent. Uh, one of the things that I always say, though, is before like I can fully evaluate Mario Cristobal, um, I do need to, as you do with any head coach in college football, you do need them, uh, give them the opportunity to get a majority of their players in. We've had a handful come in in the transfer portal even this year, and a lot of the guys who have transferred in are some of the best players on this team right now. Some of the true freshmen have been making an impact. Class of 2023 looks really sweet right now, um, and people always ask me, one of the most common questions I get is, how how can we not lose guys like with how bad the team is playing this year? How can you not expect there to be flips and decommit folks? It's always possible. You can never rule it out. You can't. But I'm not seeing the evidence of it right now. Every player that speaks publicly and every player that either I speak to or colleagues of mine speak to are all saying that they are 100 percent locked in. And we see players now like from. Texas A&M and even Texas decommitting. We're not seeing anything like that yet with Miami. So all I can do is report on what's happening and what I see. And right now, Miami's top 10 2023 class is intact. And even if they do lose some guys from it, I think the nucleus of it is going to stay intact. And a big part of that, folks, is these players um, are looking at the situation right now. And as bad as Miami has been on the field... Part of them is saying, well, you know what? I can start here. I can compete for playing time in year one. And that is a big selling point. That is a big selling point for these players, that they can come into Miami in 2023 and make an immediate impact, right? So let's talk about which members of this 2023 recruiting class, which isn't finished, I think they'll get a couple of more top players, even if they do potentially lose some guys as flips before National Signing Day in December or the second National Signing Day in February. I think that there's going to be movement in both directions, right? You may lose a guy or two. You're definitely going to gain a guy or two. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But guys, um, there are a ton of players in this 2023 recruiting class, especially in the situation Miami is in, where I expect a lot of Miami's upperclassmen to hit the portal next year. So there's going to be major turnover on this roster. Honestly, before I get to the members of the class of 2023 who could compete to start immediately and play immediately, because that's a really big list, it's probably easier 
and faster first to list the guys who might need more time to develop right before they can even compete. Uh, you know, you look at a couple of the projects and I feel good about the projects in the long term. I'll probably start with offensive lineman Frankie Tenelau. Um, Now, this is a player that was specifically identified by Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal as someone they think they can mold and develop because he is gigantic. He's strong. He's nasty. They think they can develop this guy into a great offensive tackle. But the key word there is development. Okay, Tenelau, he's a three star recruit. Uh, and the reason why he is a three-star and not higher is this is a guy who grew up in Australia and he grew up playing rugby, made the transition to American football late. Uh, he actually moved over to the States, moved over to Miami to play at Miami LaSalle for his senior season to get that extra development and be closer to the University of Miami where he was already committed to to play college football. But he's probably going to be more of a project. This might not be an impact guy right away because of his background and because of needing that development. Uh, I could probably say the same thing, and not that you know he hasn't grown up playing the position, but I can probably say as far as developmental guys go, quarterback Emery Williams out of Milton, Florida, probably needs some more seasoning. Uh, he's got a lot of promise. This is another player that you know Frank Ponce uh, and Miami identified more than most schools did. Like he's right in Florida State's backyard, but Florida State didn't really start recruiting him until Miami had already started. Like a lot of schools were late on uh, Emory Williams, uh, and I think the secret is out now. He he was an Elite 11 finalist over the summer and actually performed pretty well, you know, considering the company that he was in there. Um, and he's also in the same class as Jaden Rashada, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country, who's also a Miami commit, right? So I think for Emory Williams, could take a little bit more development time. I don't think we're going to see this guy play much at all in season one. I would say Rashada is going to be closer to being ready day one than Williams will be. Um, you know, another one that potentially might need some development. This was a recent commit. This actually happened, I think, the day after or two days after Cormani McLean committed. But linebacker Caleb Spencer, who can also play safety or star, he might need some development as well. Three-star player. And I was always told about Caleb Spencer that this guy was very under-evaluated. Uh, coming out of high school, that Oklahoma really liked him. He was a member of Oklahoma's class, flipped to Miami, that Oklahoma really liked him. He's only a three-star, but it seems like he might need a little bit more development. That may not be like an impact day one guy. So let's get to the players in the class of 2023 who are ready to compete and play right away. You may not have thought I would bring this name up first, but this guy excites me a lot more than most. Ray Ray Joseph the wide receiver out of Miami Edison. Every time I watch this dude play, it just brings a smile to my face. Like he brings me so much joy and he brings back those Roscoe Parrish, Santana Moss type of vibes and memories for me. So Ray Ray, like he's small. Like this isn't like a six foot five Colby Young type of guy. This is a small receiver, also a great returner, extremely scrappy, very fast. And he, he bounces off of tackles. Ray Ray Joseph is so hard to bring down. Like you watch his highlight reels and your mind is going to be blown. Uh, Miami is going to have some decent carryovers at wide receiver as well. You know, obviously I like Colby Young a lot, who's still young. Uh, Jacoby George has a lot of potential. I still think Romello Brinson has promise and Restrepo is going to be back next year. He can end up being this team's Braxton Berrios. But Ray Ray Joseph, I'm telling you, he is electric. 
And if I look at the big thing that Miami's been lacking this year on offense, well, one of the big things they've been lacking on offense, because uh, you could say touchdowns, that's a big thing they're lacking. Points, period, is a big thing they're lacking. Offensive line depth is a big thing they're lacking. But another huge thing Miami is lacking, and this ties into why they're not scoring any points, is just not enough big plays, not enough chunk plays, not enough breakouts and Ray Ray Joseph is the type of guy who can provide those sparks. He is absolutely electric. And I like Robbie Washington as well, by the way. I think there's a couple of good ones. You know, he's about five foot ten, so he's not huge either. I, I think that's that's something that you're kind of missing in this class right now. So I hope Miami can get more at wide receiver before the 2023 recruiting cycle is over because you know, you're you're bringing in good receivers in this class, but smaller receivers, like you need somebody with that. 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", type of size. We just don't have it right now. But I especially like Ray 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 and Robbie Washington as well. I think I especially – I look at the way Robbie can pair up in the future with Jaden Rashada because Rashada shows – he throws such a crisp deep ball and Washington with his separation can be on the back end of a lot of those. So there's definitely some good stuff there, a wide receiver coming in. Um, let's go to tight end. I think all three of the tight ends that Miami is bringing in. Yeah. Three, they've got a loaded tight end class. Uh, Steven field, the tight end coach deserves some kind of an award. Like we were giving this guy medals and trophies during the off season. Uh, you know, you got, uh, McKeska, Jackson Carver and Riley Williams. Now Riley Williams, that's the one who I think is going to compete for the most playing time right away. He's the four star. He's the most polished of the three. He'll probably get some burn year one. The other guys may not get as much burn because remember Miami's going to have Elijah Arroyo back. He's going to be, uh, I, I, I assume he's probably burned the, uh, the red shirt at this point. So he's going to be like, I don't know if he'll be a fourth year junior next year. I get confused now with the class designations because everyone got that free COVID year. So it's like you get some fourth year sophomores on the fourth year sophomores. So I get confused with eligibility, but I obviously I know Elijah Arroyo is back next year. Jaleel Skinner is back next year. Will Mallory is out of eligibility after this year. So, you know, you got two of your top three tight ends back. Uh, I think three, at least three tight ends will get significant playing time next year. So Riley Williams, uh, could be like the next guy up. And then, you know, McKeska and Carver can also compete for playing time as well. But I think Riley Williams, uh, the four-star out of IMG Academy, 6'6", by the way, 6'6", 240 pounds. How's that for size? He's a freak athlete. He could play right away. At edge rusher, Jaden Wayne, another IMG Academy guy, uh, initially from the Pacific Northwest. Jaden Wayne at edge rusher should be able to come in and be an impact player in year one. And yeah, Miami, and by the way, the, the pass rush was really bad against Florida State. They've been pretty good for most of the year. Against Florida State, they were terrible. Uh, you're going to get a lot of the guys back from your current edge rusher rotation. Uh, Mesidor, he's a third-year sophomore this year, so I think he's going to be back. Uh, Agude will not be. He's a six-year senior. Jafari Harvey is a fourth-year sophomore. I think he's coming back. Nigelie Kelly, obviously back. He's a true freshman this year. He'll be even better as a sophomore. I think Cyrus Moss is going to be bigger, more conditioned. He'll be ready uh, to dominate next year once he adds more size. But Jaden Wayne is going to be right in that mix. Uh, we'll talk about the defensive secondary quarterback. And, well, not much to say about running back because Miami doesn't currently have a commit at running back. But we do have a current true freshman running back who has been injured all year 
who's going to be like a true freshman next year. So we have a lot more to cover. We're talking about recruiting class of 2023, which which guys verbally committed to Miami can be ready to compete instantly, compete for playing time, compete for starting jobs next year. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. We have a lot more to talk about. My friends, it is time for our thrilling moment. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, well, I'm going to have to go back in the time machine, my friends, because if I tried to give you a thrilling moment from the Florida State game, (laughs) you guys wouldn't be too happy about that. We're going to go back in the time machine to October 12th, 2017. A victory over Georgia Tech, who Miami's going to face this weekend in Atlanta. 2017, Miami needed a rally against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, down 24 to 22 in the late stages of the fourth quarter. Our pal Malik Rozier and our Hurricanes faced a do or die fourth down and 10 on the Georgia Tech 43 yard line with just seconds left to play in the game. Rozier's pass to Daryl Langham, who had just caught the, the thrilling game winner against Florida State. Rozier to Daryl Langham, it was tipped, great coverage, but miraculously caught by Langham, and it helped set up the game-winning field goal for a 25-24 to Miami win. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier armada or pathfinder today and i've told you guys i'm hot on the pathfinder that that, that's what i want to be my next car they're available now at nissanusa.com thank you so much for making locked on canes your first listen today we are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on youtube so which members of the class of 2023 uh, could be ready to compete and even start right away let's get to the defensive secondary this one is very obvious all right You've got the number two recruit in the country, Mr. Cormani McLean, set to join the University of Miami. And assuming he follows through on his commitment, and I think he will, right? I know if there's any Florida fans listening or Bama fans, he's going to flip. Dono, he's going to flip into that swamp. He's going to flip to Tuscaloosa. Keep dreaming, bros. I think Cormani McLean's locked in. Uh, Okay, it's the number two recruit in the country, number one cornerback in the country for the class of 2023. He's got that he's got that height and that length. He's an interception machine. Uh, He's a lockdown corner as well. Given the state of Miami's defensive secondary, I see no reason why Cormani McLean can't come in and compete and play a lot right away. And that was one of the deciding factors for him. One of the deciding factors for him. I think he looked at Miami and said, hey, There's a lot of reasons why I can come down there and play and commit, but being able to get on the field early and often, I'm sure was a big part of that for him. Uh, And Robert Stafford as well. I I think Robert Stafford is very underrated, even though he's a four star. It's like, how can you be an underrated four star? Just doesn't get talked about a whole lot. I've met Stafford in person. He's huge. Uh, I think he can come in and play immediately as well. You know, it's safety. We're going to have to kind of wait and see with Antoine Jackson out of Dillard. Uh, And I only say that because he's so young because he should really be a senior in high school next year, but he's going to come in early. He reclassified to come out of high school a year early. He was going to be a class of 2024 reclassified to 2023. And for him, Jackson, part of the reason why he reclassified was again, 
I can come in there and potentially play right away. He's, uh, you know, he can play cornerback or safety. He's going to come in here to play safety. He's got a decent height already at six foot. He's only around 170, 175 pounds. So he does need to add some size and potentially some seasoning. But I will go back to a conversation we had with John Garcia Jr. a few weeks ago, uh, lead uh, head of football, uh, head of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Our friend John did tell me he thinks Jackson can be ready or close to ready to play day one, that even though he is so young, he he is mature. And John thinks he has eno enough size to play safety already. Linebacker. There's going to be serious youth movement at linebacker, and it's not just going to be incoming true freshmen. It's going to be sophomore as well, because we already know Wes Besaint can play. We're seeing signs of that. Uh, I think he's going to be excellent from next season on, right? He's got the highest ceiling of anybody currently in Miami's linebacking core. I'm not saying he's Miami's best linebacker right now. Corey Flagg has been for most of the year, but Wes Besaint has a much higher ceiling, okay? So I think he's going to be a great one at the U for the next few years. And you've got Malik Bryant, Popo Aguirre, and Bobby Washington coming in. Now, definitely right away, I think Malik Bryant and Popo can both compete for significant playing time. And I'm not sleeping on Bobby Washington either. I, I see some fans trying to dog Bobby as if he's only getting recruited because he's Robbie's twin brother, the wide receiver. Bobby has the height already. It's six foot three. I think he can fill out his frame a bit, but got excellent instincts in both the run game and pass coverage and you know with kind of his length uh bobby is considered to have like the prototypical size for you know for the 2023 type of linebacker right this is not the 1990s anymore i think he projects out very well to play linebacker in this era and you know hopefully because I, I know a lot of you are not happy with certain members of miami's coaching staff but one guy that i really hope is back next year is charlie strong Right, because if there's anybody out there that I trust to coach up and develop young linebackers, it's it's Coach Strong. So hopefully, hopefully he's around uh, next year and for the foreseeable future, because I think he can do wonders with people like Bobby Washington, Malik Bryant, and Popo Aguirre, and he had certainly his hands uh, hands on in recruiting all three of them. Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, any of them, especially well, maybe Bobby would still be here, but I certainly don't think that Bryant or Aguirre would be coming here if not for Charlie Strong, okay? Uh, let's see. What about Jaden Rashada at quarterback? People have been asking me. Quarterback is tougher to project next year simply because I don't know how the quarterback position is going to shape up with who's back and who's not, right? Because I can, I can virtually guarantee you that all three of Miami's current scholarship quarterbacks will not be back. I don't mean all three of them will be gone. I mean, no way all three of them are still here. I do believe Jakari Brown will be back. I've basically been assured that. Uh, with Jake Garcia, I'm doubtful. I, I, I believe Garcia could transfer. That's not inside information. That's just my deductive reasoning. Uh, and Van Dyke as well. I don't know. Like He, he could stay. He could transfer. I definitely don't think he's going to enter the NFL draft unless he gets some really bad advice. Like he would be drafted, I think, just based on on potential and, and what he's done in, you know, limited time down here the last couple of years. But, you know, obviously he's hurt his draft stock this year more than he's helped it. Uh, or you could say the coaches or whatever have hurt his draft stock more than he's helped it. So I unless he gets some bad advice, Tyler Van Dyke is going to be back next year. Um, uh, but, you know, I think Rashada, though, Jaden Rashada and Jakari Brown could have a heated competition 
if Tyler isn't back. Because if Tyler is back, like it's hard to he'd be hard to beat out as the starting quarterback because you know he's got he's got the talent and he's got the experience. But if he's not back, I could definitely see Jaden Rashada and Jakari Brown competing. Rashada is the more complete quarterback already than Brown, but Brown has the advantage of the extra year of development. And, you know, Rashada can run a little bit, but he can't run the way Jakari can run. Uh, and I wouldn't completely rule out Emery Williams either. Like he's more of a prototypical pocket passer, which I think is less relevant in today's college football. So he's, you know, he, he can run a little bit, like he can scramble a bit, but he's less mobile. He's got less speed than Rashada, obviously less of that than Jakari Brown. Uh, but Emory Williams does have an excellent arm and he's got a quick release. Now, one of the differences between he and Rashada, Rashada is a lot better and he's better than most anyone in the class of 2023 at just attacking downfield with his deep ball. He's very aggressive and he throws into tight windows like he's a gunslinger, but a very accurate, confident gunslinger. So for running back, uh, yeah, we still we still need running backs in this class, right? You know, hopefully Chris Johnson can end up committing to Miami. We'll see how that one plays out. But, and I know he's not going to be a true freshman next year, but don't forget we have Trevante Citizen, who's finally, knock on wood, going to be ready to debut next year because he had to miss this entire season from a training camp injury. And Don Chaney is still young. I hope he can be fully back and healthy next season. He might even be back this week. We'll see what his status is for Georgia Tech, but um, you know, I'm, I'm expecting Miami before National Signing Day, certainly to add at least one running back. But even even if they and they should, they need to, they should. But even if they don't, just for conversation's sake, uh, Trevante Citizen, who I think would have gotten a lot of playing time this year had he not been hurt, is going to be a revelation next year. And and on that note, like uh, someone was tweeting to me today. Why would you even be excited about true freshmen next year? Because none of the true freshmen this year can even play, he said. Are you high? Uh, Inez Cooper is having an impact on the offensive line. That's a true freshman. Jakari Brown might end up starting the final three games. Wesley Besaint has been doing work at linebacker. Nigel e. Kelly has shown us some good stuff in the pass rush this year. So as long as Miami can close on this 2023 class, this is going to be significantly a better class than 2022 was, significantly better. And yeah, I think Miami is going to have so much roster turnover this season that a lot of young guys are going to compete for playing time next year. So next year, it's going to be hard to predict wins and losses, I believe, because I think the team is going to be so young and there's going to be so many transfer guys playing next year, transfer guys, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen. It's going to be really hard to predict a win loss record, but I think the team's going to be a lot more fun next year. I will make that prediction. I think the team will be a lot more fun to watch next year than it is next year. Cause I got news for you. This team is often not very fun to watch this season. Oh man. So th th that's how we're shaping out. So on the other side, I want to talk about um, a couple of players that Miami could be targeting, right? A someone who just decommitted from a big school and, you know, a certain prospective hurricane we've been talking about for months. When is he finally going to announce his commitment? And, Congratulations to our basketball teams. Miami may not be winning on the field right now, but they were winning on the hardwood last night. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, make sure you are locked in every single day to betonline.net. Guys, this is my spot, and it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. 
from football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Folks, they have amazing information. They're going to equip you to make your wagers there. They've always got the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Guys, thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. Now for your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. All right, so uh, I mentioned you've got some big-time players uh, decommitting, thankfully not from Miami. But this was a huge one, and and I wanted to address this because maybe there's a chance. Maybe five star linebacker Anthony Hill decommitted from Texas A&M. Now, for as bad as Miami's been this year, and ironically, we did lose a head to head against Texas A&M, which really hurts. Uh, but I'd much rather be in Miami's situation than Texas A&M situation because it's one thing to struggle this much under a first year coach. I'd much rather be struggling right now with Mario Cristobal in his first season here than with Jimbo Fisher in his fifth season at Texas A&M. Like, if we're in their situation in four years, I'm going to be inconsolable. Right now, I can at least see some hope and some light at the end of the tunnel. But Anthony Hill, who's one of the finest players in the entire country, the number one linebacker in the 2023 class, he'd been committed to the Aggies since July – uh, and Hayes Fawcett broke the news yesterday that Anthony Hill has decommitted from the Aggies. He told Hayes that he plans on taking his recruitment down to signing day. Uh, I assume he means the first signing day and not the second signing day, but who knows? Now, as far as Anthony Hill goes, Texas should be considered the favorite here, that him going from AM commit to Texas commit, Texas should be favored here, if not the strong favorite. Uh, it's already been reported that he's going to visit the Longhorns this weekend. However... I have been told that Miami is going to make a serious push. Do not rule out Miami. Uh, and like a lot of players we've talked about, he would be a day one starter here as a true freshman if he came in, that this would be a huge get. Uh, and, you know, again, I'm not expecting him to commit to Miami. Look, Be looking closely at Texas, but do not rule out Miami because uh, I've been told Miami is going to be very much in the mix for him. And this is not going to be a thing where because even if he is visiting – Austin this weekend he's not just gonna you know at the end of his OV commit to Texas he's gonna take his time on this he's gonna take some weeks he's gonna take some visits here so keep your eyes on Miami for this one and how about this Samson Okunlola the pancake honcho he was here making an unofficial visit he was just here in South Florida um Okunlola the very top of my wish list for this class along with Ruben Bain like if I can only land two more if I can only land two more in this class I want the pancake honcho and I want Hurricane Bain and Hurricane Bain uh, also reportedly uh, I don't know if anybody talked to him but reportedly he was here visiting as well he was at that Florida State game so I hope he had a blindfold on for four quarters <laughs> I hope they all did uh, but we have seen that on field results don't have as big of a correlation to recruiting as some of we thought some of us or some of you thought that it would. Uh, but you know, as far as Okunlola, gigantic five-star offensive tackle out of Massachusetts. Now, while most of the recruiting services have him just behind Francis Maui Goa, who's a Miami commit, Sports Illustrated does rank the pancake honcho actually higher than they rank Maui Goa. So these are the two top tackles in the class. If Miami can get them both, 
That's what you call a coup, a coup d'etat. Not even sure what that means. Is that like a revolution, uh, an overthrow of a guy? I don't know. It's a coup d'etat. No word yet on when Okunlola is going to announce. He's going by his own timeline, not ours, okay? But Miami is still considered the strong favorite for Okunlola. And if they can lock him up, this will be, without a doubt, the best offensive line class in UM history, right? And, uh, oh, and I, I didn't even, did I even talk about the offensive linemen? Yeah, I mentioned that, you know, Tinalau may not be ready, like, to come in and start right away. But as far as the offensive line goes, you know, I look at Francis Maui Goa, who's ready to compete, if not start right away. Um, you know, I look at Tommy Kinsler, who's very, very, he and Maui Goa are both, both versatile, right? That they can both play tackle and guard, which is big. Uh, Antonio Tripp on the interior, he's a dog. And Connor Liu, you know, for some reason, Connor Liu out of uh, Georgia, for some reason, he's only a three-star, but many, if not most publications, consider him to be the top center in the entire class. I don't know how the, maybe it's just a bad center class, but I don't know how like a three-star can be a top center in the class. I think he's really, really good, probably should be a four-star. He can be ready to come in and compete for playing time right away as well. So the vast majority of the O-line class, even if Tinalau might need more development and seasoning, everybody else, uh, I think, can come in and get significant playing time right away. And, you know, you can say what you want to say about talent development in certain spots. Cristobal and Mirabal have an excellent track record in developing offensive linemen. So let's freaking go. Congratulations to both of the Hoops teams. And I'm so glad that um, even if like many people are watching for the Cavenders, which are, you know, electric and they've got amazing personalities, they're bringing so much to the table here. They're really good basketball players, too, by the way. But there's a lot more attention on Kane's women's basketball than ever. And like you may come for the Cavenders, but you're going to stay for the basketball because this team's going to be really good this year. And I know Katie Meyer, their head coach, personally covers. She's been she's been in Miami since I was a student there. She is one of the best coaches in the country, and Miami gets their season-opening victory 83-51 to over Maryland Eastern Shore. So huge dub for Kane's women's basketball, and then it was a little doubleheader action because then Kane's men's basketball goes out there, and they top Lafayette 67-54. to uh, was a big day for Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong. They both had 16 points. Norchad Omier had a double-double. So congratulations to both Hoops teams. And yes, guys, we will be covering more Canes Hoops throughout the season, especially if the football team keeps doing this poorly. But thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Be sure to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods, subscribe to our podcast. Take us with you wherever you go and subscribe on YouTube as well. We have a lot of fun on the video versions and occasionally we'll post extra things like coaches conferences. We posted Mario Cristobal from yesterday that may only go up on the video section, not the audio section. So make sure you subscribe to both and we will talk to you again tomorrow. John Garcia from Sports Illustrated will join us tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.